Welcome to another episode of Cambro Eats. I'm your host, Felix Baskin. For those that do not know, Cambro, through our Cambro Cares Initiative, supports nonprofits and community organizations that feed and support their communities. We're happy to have supported Bracken's Kitchen for a number of years, and in our recent volunteer event, I had the chance to interview Chef Bill Bracken, the founder of Bracken's Kitchen. In this episode, Chef talks about his background and the shift towards his work now, and what the future holds. Let's get to the interview. So we are here with Chef Bill Bracken at Bracken's Kitchen in a beautiful Garden Grove, Southern California, Orange County. Um, now, Bracken's Kitchen is a very um, interesting uh, establishment. Uh, it's a great, uh, it's got a great mission, but I wanna hear uh, from you where originated it and uh, how it's grown over the years because I know it has and we've interacted and worked together for a number of years too but let's go back to uh, the beginning of it. I like the way you say interesting <laughs> but yeah I mean we we started in 2013 we're coming up on our ninth anniversary and uh, it looks vastly different today than I envisioned it in the beginning. Um, and it really just started with me and the idea, well, or A, the feeling and knowing that I'm being called to feed people and the idea of what that would look like and a food truck to take food into the low-income uh, neighborhoods to feed people. And after 25 years in Southern California, I figured I could uh, call upon all my connections and resources to to leverage uh, to get low-cost co- low food um, and... Uh, you know, raise money, buy food, feed people. Right. That uh, was really what it was all about. I had a vision of how that would grow, but nothing like it is today because of really the the rescue food program, which has uh, right. just been a, instrumental in the work we've been doing over the last couple of years. Okay. Um, so I want to go back a little bit and talk about your history because you're not just somebody who, uh, I think you touched upon some of your connections. You just woke up when they said, because a lot of people say, great, I want to help people and do whatever. You, Your career is basically in, in food service. So uh, talk to me a little about, you know, how you got into food service and, uh, you know, your background because you've, you've done some really interesting things. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm reflecting. I got quiet there for a moment. I should just reflect because I really feel that uh, my whole life has led me right to where I am today. Part of that is my faith that this is what I was called to do. Uh, but, you know, I grew up in a small town in the Midwest, and uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of jobs in a town of a thousand people. You either work it out in the field, or you're lucky to land one of um, a handful of jobs in a local establishment. And I got a job when I was 12 years old. I guess they call that child labor now. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, working in a local restaurant, and that's where it all began. And yeah. You know, after high school, I knew I wasn't going to college, and I, okay, all I've known how to do, I've been cooking for the last four, five, six years in, mm-hmm. again, local restaurants. Um, so I went off to vocational school, and from there I won a scholarship to the Culinary Institute of America. Mm-hmm. And I still remember even when I took off for the CIA, as we call it, uh, I had no idea what the world was like out there and the hospitality and, 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 and the world. I mean, I, other than maybe travel to Kansas City a couple times, uh, from my small farm community. I'd never really seen anything of the world, so right. uh, had no idea the journey I was embarking upon. Uh, uh, but yeah, I went to Culinary Institute of America, and when I graduated there, I ended up with Four Seasons Hotels, and yeah. I'd never even heard of Four Seasons. I think there's a, um, if it's still there, there's a Four Seasons Resort 
down on Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, it's a little resort that's open all year round. Yeah. That's why they had the name Four Seasons. And I remember first hearing about Four Seasons and thinking, am I going to be working the Lake of the Ozarks? <laughs> Although I know this is an you know, international, right. one of the top hotel country companies in the world. Yeah. So, um, But after culinary school, I ended up working with the Four Seasons. That really just started me on this uh, journey of working in luxury mm-hmm. five-star, five-diamond hotels. It brought me to California where I worked for the Four Seasons in Newport Beach. That led right. me to Beverly Hills where I ended up at the put in Beverly Hills for 12 years. That's really where I, um, I guess, let's say I established myself and my right. reputation. Um, eventually, you know, I came back to Newport Beach, formerly the Four Seasons and the Island Hotel. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went full circle there. And that was that was really the beginning of the, the journey, if you will, of yeah. um, Two Brackets Kitchen after so many years of chasing, chasing yeah. fame and fortune and success and coming up empty all the time. I, sure. All the awards and all the accolades and all the reviews and articles in the, in the magazine and all the mm-hmm. paychecks just didn't fulfill the need that I had inside to be doing something more meaningful. Yeah. And so I, I know this all started during the, you know, 2008, the great financial kind of meltdown, whatever people call it nowadays yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, so that, that led you into kind of looking around and seeing a lot of folks that needed, needed your help. Um, Tell us what what was the, the the trigger that kind of led you to actually take action beyond beyond the fact that you know a lot of people may want to do something they'll donate yeah. they'll time you know but actually going forward. Well, again, part of that, and I, I think Felix, it sounds like you know the story better than I do. But <laughs> you can tell it, but uh, um, I, again, I mentioned I'm a man of faith, and I say that um, uh, respectfully because everybody has their own beliefs sure. and everything, and I respect that. Um, but I, I really felt like. You know, I was in the right place at the right time, and uh, but you know, in 2008, as you mentioned, when the economy tanked, um, I watched a lot of really good people lose their jobs, and there was no jobs out there, and people that still had nice cars to drive and nice clothes to wear and a nice home to go to, but they couldn't even pay their rent, their mortgage, they couldn't buy food, and you know, one particular friend of mine, I remember, uh, you know, at the lowest point in his life, he still had an apartment he lived in in Irvine, but he had nothing else. He sold everything just mm-hmm. to avoid ending up homeless. I mean, you, if you went to visit him, there was not a couch to sit on, a chair, a bed. They were sleeping on the floor, just everything, just to try to uh, to stay in their home. And um, that was really a powerful moment mm-hmm. for me. And then I was thrust into the lines of the unemployed in 2011. I knew then that was God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. And, uh, you know, unlike so many people that struggled, I was in a different position financially. I'm, not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, but I've always been conservative and mm-hmm. had some savings to fall back on. And, you know, um, I had options as opposed to so many people when they'd lost their job over the last couple of years, they had nothing. And I really knew that that was my, my opportunity to start looking at how I could uh, use my talents and skill in a more meaningful way. Sure. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I, you know, as any proud man does. I knew that's what I was being called to do, and I right. ran the other way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted nothing to do with that. I, I got involved in a in a restaurant concept in Newport Beach that was doomed from the beginning because of the partnership. But I kind of sold uh, sold my soul to the devil, if you will. I'm going to start this concept, and, and you know, and the owners is like, once we get this up and running, Bill, you can take the trucks and deliver and feed anybody you want. And you know, I was I had visions of you know big paychecks, and we're going to open a whole string of these restaurants. So. Um, I kind of abandoned what I knew I was being called to do, mm. and you know that failed miserably. I I jumped ship before it completely sank because I knew it was coming. And um, you know it's 2000, gosh, 
13 when I left that job, and that's the first time in my life I ever quit a job without having something, mm -hmm. and I had nothing. Wow. And uh, my wife had started working the year earlier because she needed to to help us support sure. the family, but I just felt very strongly that I needed to, um, to, to build what would eventually become Bracken's Kitchen. And, you know, it took me a while to figure it out. We, uh, you know, originally it was going to open a restaurant. I had a building out a business plan for it, we had a name for it and everything. And we was going to morph into a, a restaurant certain nights of the week that would feed the low income and the mm -hmm. homeless. And, um, you know, you open a restaurant any place in Southern California that's nice, Irvine, South yeah. Coast, Newport Beach, and suddenly there's a line of low income people outside the door, that's just not going to fly. Yeah, People yeah. would be upset, they'd be offended. And, mm -hmm. you know, the concept just wouldn't work for us. And that's when we land on the idea of the food truck. I never wanted to be about me. I didn't want my name on it, but a, a dear friend of mine who is no longer with us, um, she passed away a couple years ago from cancer, but she insisted that my name be in it because of my past reputation. And mm -hmm. um, so that's where Bracken's Kitchen was born in 2013. Yeah. And I must say, as much as I, I sometimes cringe when people always refer to us as brackets, as brackets, as yeah. brackets. I'm like, just refer to us as the kitchen, the kitchen, the kitchen. But really, I don't want it to be about me, but I've realized that that in itself has been a powerful story because there's a lot of people going through life wondering, mm -hmm. is there something more? Yeah. Isn't there something more to this? And they look at me and the fact that I walked away from a pretty successful career mm -hmm. for this, is like, maybe there sure. is something more. So if, if that can be an inspiration for mm -hmm. someone, then fine. My name's on the building, yeah. and, and yeah. so be it. How how long did you have just uh, just rely on Betsy for 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 the the line share of the work before you kind of open other venues uh, as far as you know the ability to to, to put out food? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, um, first I got to tell you the Betsy story real quick. You don't mind? Go ahead. I didn't name it Betsy. In fact, it was kind of funny. Bruce's catering, Bruce Hecker, who I met years earlier at the Peninsula. Just, I mean, everything just kind of lines up in the right way, I think. You know, whether you don't believe in God, fate, destiny, something, you know, I couldn't have done all this myself. It just, it unfolded the way it should. And part of my story is reconnecting with Bruce. I won't bore you how, but it was part of the many decisions and turns I made when I was trying to figure out how to build a nonprofit and also how to make sure my family doesn't end up standing in line needing a free meal I need to provide for right. my family. Um, but I reconnected with Bruce, and he heard what I was doing. He's like, I got a food truck, I'm, you know, my first food truck. And he, I don't know, he's got a dozen food trucks. And originally, he was all just motion picture catering. So Betsy, like I, had cooked for all the movie stars and celebrities in L.A. And, you know, Betsy had long been retired to the back lot of his building, except for pilot season when they have all these shows. And once or twice a year, Betsy was used. Otherwise, he didn't use it, and he decided to donate it to me. And I remember driving up there to pick up the truck, and... It wasn't Betsy at the time, it was just a red food truck. Yeah. Uh, red's my color, I love yeah. red, so it was perfect. <laughs> um, but as we was, my wife was with me, she drove me up there, as we was getting ready to leave, he referred to the truck as Betsy, like I'm gonna miss old Betsy or something like that. Like what? <laughs> I've never named my car, Felix. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, my wife's named every car she has me, I'm just a car, you know? I, you know, I love watching the Dukes of Hazard and the Juno Lee and right. cool things like that, sure. the Batmobile, but my car was just a car. But here I'm driving down the 101 freeway, driving a food truck for the first time in my life. It's raining. Mm -hmm. I'm scared to death because every food trucks make a lot of noise. If you're not <laughs> used to it, every everything is creaking and groaning and moaning, and sure. I'm nervous as heck. And of all things, I'm doing a post on social media. The stupidest thing to do driving down the 101 in the rain in a food truck. Yeah. Um, 
But I put something on there about, you know, posting, uh, sorry, honey, I've got this new woman in my life. Her name is Betsy. Just something funny funny. like that. And people just gravitated for it. And suddenly this truck had a name and it became part of the family. So, you know, Betsy became part of the family. We've had to name every vehicle after that. Babs and Blue and Bird. (laughs) It has to be bees. I don't know why. Because (laughs) of Betsy. Um, But that's how it all started. That's how Betsy became part of the family. And it's been a fun story. Um, Betsy's about ready to retire completely. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that aren't happy about that. Mm-hmm. But we got a new improved model with Babs, which is a beautiful big food yeah. truck. But yeah, we started with that. It was me. I uh, No sooner did we get the food truck, I was working at another nonprofit's kitchen in Irvine. And I get the food truck where I just start feeding people. And then we were asked to leave the kitchen. Uh, not because of anything we did, but they just they had a lot of people use our mm-hmm. kitchen. They said, hey, it's time to sure. take control of our kitchen yeah. again. And suddenly it's me in a food truck and no place to work and do prep. So she was parked in my driveway, parallel parked for, I don't know, a year, plugged into my electricity, running like, you know, yeah. the, the bill crazy and come come home every night and trying to clean things on the yeah. truck with a sink that's about, I mean, it was right. just, uh, it was it was a rough year as we was trying to get it up and running, but it was me and her and we went out a couple times a week as we were trying to establish everything and build it. And mm-hmm. we always knew that there was something bigger you know the whole issue of rescued food and food waste became mm-hmm. um, became a hot topic uh, in 2015, um, and we just slowly started growing it. We found a kitchen that we can rent out of in Huntington Beach, over close to Cambro, mm-hmm. and we was there for gosh three years almost. Yeah. And you know that kitchen we quickly outgrew it. Mm-hmm. I mean it was a huge building, but we were only right. allowed allotted so much space. Sure. So every week it was a fight for yeah. room in the refrigerator, room in the freezer, whatever. And, you know, this beautiful building was purchased for us by a, a very dear friend and supporter, and um, that's when you know, we moved in here. And I mean, one of those many, many leaps of faith, if you will. I remember I had barely been paying any rent at the previous kitchen. Uh, they were very generous with us, um, and we just started paying rent for the first time ever. I don't know, the tune of four thousand dollars a month, and mm-hmm. suddenly I'm going to sign a lease on something that's going to cost me three times that, four times that. Mm-hmm. And I like. I remember walking through. I remember looking at the freezer, thinking, "How in the world are we ever going to need all this space?" We were trying to figure out how we can take the freezer and put partitions in it so we don't have to turn the whole thing sure. on. Um, yeah. And now we're just busting at the seams, and we need more space. Wow. So you from those, and it's it's not that long ago. I mean, you know, yeah. 2013 from when you started. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's less than 10 years. Yeah, yeah. It's way less than 10 years. Yeah. I mean, to go from that to, again, I'll, I'll let you say the, the number of meals you guys served the last couple of years and all that. Uh, what is that? Is that just your your ability to go out and, and find a need? Or is that is it both that and just people reach out to you and, and, and find that need? And then also how, how you go about and make these connections to have all this kind of support, not only with the, the funding, but obviously the, the food. That's yeah. a big thing. I think, Felix, we really were in the right time at the right place, the right place at the right time, sitting there backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can only take so much credit for what we've accomplished here. People are always talking about it. And it's like, truly, I mean, the, 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 the epidemic of food waste became apparent. People were talking about it. We were this new nonprofit that actually meals because you know America was built on the food bank model the warehouse model of yeah. dried processed things and yeah. you know give it to a family you don't know if they have a stove to cook on or a pot to cook in but yet you're giving them something yeah. and trying to make something out of it and that model works well and it's served our country well but it doesn't address the issues of food waste very well because sure. we're not talking about 
a can of spaghetti sauce. We're talking about a 40-pound box of frozen chicken thighs that's been in someone's warehouse too long, and they need to get rid of them. And the massive amounts of um, potentially hazardous foods, you know, meat, fish, chicken, proteins, and things like that. So, you know, our timing was perfect, I think. Um, I think, again, I mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, Judy insisted having my name on it. So, you know, the only thing we focused on was social media just because it's all I knew and didn't yeah. cost us anything and yeah. let's just share as much as we can and you know I mean we all share feelings the yeah. two most basic human needs for survival the need to breathe and the need to eat yeah. the problem is air is free and food is not and <laughs> that true. gives food so much power yeah. whether you're an A-list celebrity dining at your favorite restaurant or someone who doesn't know where the next meal is going to come from yeah. we all can relate to food so when you put food on social media yeah. people just stop and look at it yeah. somebody may not be interested in a video of football or golf or a hot rock car or something but, but everybody can relate to food so we really just focus on social media mm-hmm. uh, just so people knew what we were doing um, and slowly word got out um, we you know we were blessed to form some relationships with both the food banks here in mm-hmm. Orange County Second Harvest and Orange County Food Bank and you know when we started feeding people uh, I, I suddenly had a food truck we had some money in the bank okay I gotta feed people how am I gonna find them and I I never wanted to do what we call qualify a person's uh-huh. need. I'm never going to say, do you really need a free meal? Sure. Show me your paycheck stuff or something. Right. So we came alongside uh, three well-known nonprofits here in Orange County, Working Wardrobes, Miracles for Kids, and Illumination Foundation. And they're mm. providing a multitude of services to the low-income and homeless population. Um, food's just not one of them. So I said, let me just come alongside them. They have people that they're already servicing. Let us provide meals. Yeah. And that's kind of the way we build our model on, uh, you know, collaboration and teamwork is, you know, together we can accomplish more. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Team t- together, each accomplishes more. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. so how can we come alongside these people? And slowly we've built that, right. that, that reputation. And, you know, as more and more um, attention has been uh, focused on food waste, more people are looking at us mm-hmm. and what we're doing. And this model of rescuing food and repurposing right. it, um, you know, last year and a half, two years of the pandemic almost now, no one was talking about food waste because we're just right. fighting Surviving, to survive. Yeah. And now again, um, food waste is a hot topic. Yes. Just in the last few weeks, uh, every city in Orange County especially mm-hmm. is now forced to start dealing with food waste and mm-hmm. how they're going to manage it. Because, you know, California passed it. It's called Senate Bill SB 1383, and it's mandating 75% reduction of food going into the landfill. Yeah by 2025, and of that 75% is millions and millions, if not billions of pounds of food. Of that 75%, 25% of it has to be rescued to feed people. Not just to send it all to the compost bin or whatever. So so people need kitchens like ours. Mm -hmm. So again, right place, right time. I think there'll come a time in America where every food bank either has built their own or has a rescued food kitchen like ours that they work with because the only way you can take um, massive amounts of potentially ha- or houses, as they call it, or perishable sure. food right. items uh, and use them to feed people, so you gotta cook it, you gotta do something with it. I mean, the pallets of stuff that we got in that you can't right. you can't give a family living in poverty a, <laughs> a number 10 can even of tomato sauce right. because... Right, what are they gonna do with the, with yeah, it, once, yeah. once, you, once you manage to open yeah. it, yeah, what are you gonna do with that? Yeah. I mean, we got 6,500 pounds of uh, chicken thighs and sure. um, thighs and legs from, uh, Cargill a few weeks ago had been in the freezer too yeah. long still perfectly good but they couldn't sell it um, uh, and again 60 pound cases yeah. you can't give a 60 pound block of chicken 
to a family of four. Yeah, no, so this true. is you know so this is all the things I think led to yeah. where we are, how we got here, the growth, and you know uh, right alongside all that is everything that's going on in Orange County with the homeless mm-hmm. population. Yes. And, and everything they've done to, to clean it up, and now LA County is looking at it. And if you're going to house people, you got to be able to feed them, feed them too. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, the the number of meals you guys are up to is it's getting close to a couple of million. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. You know, we're we're always overachievers. I like a good yeah. challenge. I mean, I've, I'm uh, I'm never one to back down from a challenge. I don't know why. And I, I talk about that because you know, not only you know we. One of the uh, sayings on our building is feeding people isn't the same as nourishing them. And what we like to say is we aim to feed or nourish more than just the body, but people's soul, their spirit. I mean, people come in here, whether they're volunteers or donors or whatever, we want people to leave happier and uplifted and fulfilled. And that's really important to us. And, you know, part of that is even my own staff, how do we work with them? And, man, it's challenging working in a kitchen. You know this business. Um, But I, I don't know where that came from. I'm not a, I don't think I'm a terribly brave person but I just love a challenge so you know last year we did 1.75 million meals we never expect that that was a pandemic we our goal starting in 2020 was 600,000 meals pandemic broke and I will never forget those first few weeks of the pandemic and the amount of food showing up at our doorsteps at the food banks I mean a restaurant in California closed overnight I mean no one realizes the billions oh, yeah. of pounds of food in the supply chain and yeah. suddenly it just came to a yeah, screeching halt. Yeah. So that's how we went from 600,000 meals to 1.75 million meals. And this year we said, let's just flatline it and try to do the same. Yeah. Where's the fun in that? Let's try to do more. <laughs> okay. So we set a goal of 2 million meals. Unfortunately, I think we're going to be a little bit short, um, not by our own making, uh, you know, as we continue to deal with the pandemic. and. Yeah all of our agency partners and the ups and downs and unknowns. One minute you got a, a group that's picking up meals three times a week to distribute. Next week they're only doing it one time a week because someone's got that's COVID yeah. or an outbreak or whatever. So just, I mean, uh, us producing the food isn't the problem. Getting it out there yeah. in the past year and a half has been crazy difficult for sure. I can imagine. Um, what's, I, I, with everything so up in the air, obviously, uh, but when when you look at a year or two from now, what's what, what what do you see? What what's in the future for for you and for you for the organization? Well, what we've realized in the last year, and you know, we talk about our model here, and I say that hesitantly because, like I said, I didn't I didn't have this vision five years ago. This model is just. I mean, I think the business the best business leaders make plans, but then they're open to dealing with whatever life throws at you. I mean. Those individuals that this is my plan and I'm sticking with it no matter what usually end up out of business. Yeah. You have to be adapt, adapt, you have to be flexible and pliable and move with it. And this wasn't part of our plan three years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, our five year plan happened in about a year and a half yeah. and it wasn't quite like this, but you know, when when the world shut down and people were out of jobs, they needed food you know, packaging and production, how do we make it happen? So, you know, we now realize that our our, our model, I say hesitantly, uh, is proven to work both conceptually and practically. Now we're just trying to really hone it in. Packaging is a big thing for us. We need to go from everything and kind of family package mm-hmm. to more individuals. We got college students everywhere, sure. low incomes, uh, you know, seniors, people living at home. Yeah. How do we make uh, more um, packaging? How do we package our meals that is more 
conducive to the people who need them. Yeah. So we're looking hard at that. We're looking at some innovation for the packaging machines. And now we're you know looking at the building sitting right there that's empty. We're talking to the landlords over there because we've outgrown this space. Yeah. We never would imagine we've done it that quickly. But um, you know we're really looking at how do we make that happen um, so that we can just perfect what we're doing now, make it more um, uh, cost effective. Mm-hmm. I think we're pretty efficient, but we can always be more efficient sure, with sure. technology and innovation and you know packaging machines and things. Um, we're about ready to launch our culinary training program, which I think is so, so important. Mm-hmm. And I should say relaunch. We've played with it for years, yeah. but we spent the last nine months completely revamping curriculum. Actually, we have a curriculum over the course of 18 to 20 weeks that students will okay. go through. We built a classroom upstairs. Um, you know, if we take over the building next door, it won't be for a kitchen because mm-hmm. the cost of building out a kitchen is ridiculous. Right. But there's too much of this building that is... Um, dedicated to storage and and, and office space. Yeah. So how do we maximize this building 100%? Yeah. Move classroom next door, mm-hmm. move offices next door, storage next door. So when we look at the future, that really is the biggest thing is really how do we perfect the systems that we've yes. built? How do we make it more efficient? And, you know, then, and at the same time, how do we raise awareness? Um, simply, you know, the Senate bill in California that's passed, and by the way, five other states the last I checked, maybe more of past similar legislation mandating the reduction of food waste. Because um, mm-hmm. America doesn't have a uh, food shortage problem. We yeah. don't really just have a food waste problem. So yeah. um, we know that this is here to stay. We know that more people are going to need these type of uh, uh, models to feed people and to avoid food waste. So how do we just perfect it all and be prepared to share? You know, right. I don't, I'm too darn old to bring a dream of a Bracken's Kitchen every community. Uh, yeah. But I think there should be a Bracken's Kitchen model, and we're yeah. more than willing to share, to share the, what we do, the, how we do yeah. it with others to help build more models like this to, yeah. to, to address all the issues that we're facing. I, I love the uh, the whole the training uh, aspect of it because, again, that's really giving people not only skills but something that, obviously, the food service industry needs. Yeah. Uh, well, what was the, how did the idea for that come about? Well, you know... Uh, what we call our tree, our services, our community feeding program with our food trucks and all the meals going out, our rescue food program and culinary training program, that was born at a after school program from homeless kids not far from here one night when I was out there feeding just me and Betsy and I looked out and it, I mean there's a whole long story behind it, one of those many moments over the years mm-hmm. that just remind me that I'm right where I need to be. Um, but one night I, uh, I looked out after feeding these these kids, these families, and the parents were sitting over here and all the kids were over there. And it just dawned on me that 30 years from now, these kids are still gonna be here in a program just like this. The difference is gonna be that it's gonna be their kids in the program and they're the parents who are gonna be sitting here because they're they're trapped in that cycle of poverty. And I've heard that word, word often, cycle of poverty, but it never really meant anything to me. And now I really get it because, you know, you and I, I don't know a lot about you, Felix, but you know, most of us have a certain um, foundation that we're, we're, we grow up in, we're raised in benefit that so many people don't have. And when you're living in the low-income population and you're really struggling, it's really, really hard to escape it. So that was kind of where I was born. Um, and you know, somewhere along the way, I also realized how short-lived our work is. Uh, we can go off the food truck tonight and feed 200 people and we can love on them and mm-hmm. they give them a great meal and they're happy and they're well-fed and they feel good. They go home full, and 
tomorrow tomorrow morning they're going to wake up they're going to be hungry again yeah. you know and that's just how short sure. uh, the impact is of our work and that's where that you've heard that saying many times you give a man a fish you fed him yeah. for a day feed him to fish or teach him to fish and you fed him for a lifetime so we really want to um, really help guide people out of poverty right. through workforce training culinary training and right now quite frankly our industry needs it more than ever yeah. you know how hard it is for people to that's even find employees out there yeah. so if we can do something to help the next generation of chefs, then that's exciting. Okay, great, great. Well, terrific. Uh, how can people help out? Donations, volunteering, I know obviously donations are a big thing. What, yeah, well, I mean, every every nonprofit talks about time, talents, and treasure. Yeah. Some people can give one, the other, all three of them. You know, we just focus on relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know that I've, other than filling out a typical grant, I don't know that I've ever asked anybody to donate in the last nine years. It's just like we build relationships with yeah. people and, and however they want to get involved and help. So but visit our website, www.brackenskitchen.org or .com, and there's tons of information. We revamped the, the, the website a lot in the last year. There's volunteer information. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you want to donate, you can do that there. But people love coming to the kitchen, just like Cambro Cares here today, yeah. you know, getting involved, cooking, helping. Um, you know, um, people forget that. We're a business just like any other. Yeah. One thing that makes us different as a nonprofit is at the end of the year, the money stays in the business. Yeah. We don't get to pay it out. Um, so, you know, if somebody's got a skill and they're, they know how to do refrigeration, man, I'd sure love to have a volunteer <laughs> work on refrigeration instead of yeah. paying someone $300 an hour. So yeah. the yeah. ways you can get involved in support really That's go to It doesn't have yeah. to be a paycheck. I'd yeah. rather have someone come and skills. work on my electrical and my yeah. skills and things like yeah. that. And not have to pay another company to do it. So yeah. visit our website, see if there's something that moves you and you want to get involved. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Chef. We appreciate it. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Great. Thank you for listening. For more information on Bracken's Kitchen, please visit camperoeats.com. Until next time, stay hungry. <laughs>